0: Hello everybody, welcome back to another short episode of The Casual Criminalist. This one is Princess Susanna, colonial conwoman. As always, I'm your host Simon. This uh, episode has been written by Callum. I have it on my iPad here because I, uh, I forgot to print it out again. So <laughs> by me being forgetful, I'm also being more environmentally friendly. Although I do like having the paper in my hand. But anyway... Uh, I've not read this before. As always, I'm reading this along with you guys. Let's see what it's all about. If you're uh, listening to this show, consider giving it a review wherever you get your podcasts. If you're watching this show, why not give it a like? Why not hit that subscribe button? You'll get more good stuff like this. This is a short episode. We often do longer ones as well. So uh, all good stuff. Let's carry on. Thanks to Yankee Worldwide Cultural Dominance, everyone knows the American Dream. The deal goes that no matter where in the world you're from or how much money you have, you can come to the grand old USA and become whoever you want to be. Today's story proves that some people have taken that proposition a little more literally than others. Also, it's definitely not the case anymore. The American, you can't just come to the USA and pursue your American Dream. There are things like visas and immigration laws and stuff like that. It, it's hard to go and work in America... But it wasn't always like this, so maybe this, was, maybe this is said far in the past. This is a criminal case from the old days of America, when, for some unlucky convicts, the prospect of being shipped off to the East Coast colonies was more of a nightmare than a dream. Still, with a strong work ethic or just a major talent for bullshitting and deception, those, even those down at rock bottom could make something of, them, of themselves in the New World. The greatest proof of that fact is the story of Princess Susanna, colonial conwoman extraordinaire. HUMBLE BEGINNINGS Princess Susanna's life didn't have quite as royal a beginning as you might expect. And that's not the only misleading thing about the moniker. Her name wasn't even Susanna. It was Sarah Wilson. The story goes that Sarah was born to a poor rural family in Staffordshire in 1754. What a surprise, she's not really a princess. (laughs) The lives of working-class citizens were generally pretty tough back then, but Sarah managed to catch a lucky break. She was sent off by a family to find work in London and ended up in the service of Miss Caroline Vernon herself, a lady-in-waiting to the Queen. Lifted up out of relative poverty and into Downton Abbey-esque surroundings, young Sarah found herself serving Queen Charlotte's private residences on the site of modern-day Buckingham Palace. She got a crash course in how to behave around nobility and plenty of chances to watch Her Majesty go about her royal duties. A lot of fine dining and luxury parties on taxpayer money, so nothing much has changed. But there's only so long you can watch posh folk living it up without getting envious. and Charlotte soon decided that she wanted a little bit of that luxury for herself. Is she going to start stealing things? TROUBLE She found herself inside the Queen's living quarters one day. Without anyone else around, it was the perfect opportunity to snatch some pricey gear. I mean, the temptation's right there kind of obvious. A miniature portrait of her majesty, a dress, and a few pieces of jewellery. Wow, she did not start out small, though. When someone has so much fancy stuff, surely they wouldn't notice a few minor pieces missing. Well, she might not. Even if the Queen doesn't. Someone's going to be organising that shit and tidying it. They're going to notice. Unfortunately for Sarah, though, Queen Charlotte did in fact notice that someone on her staff had gotten sticky fingers and ordered a guard to keep an eye on the pilfered wardrobe. The thief made the mistake of going to the exact same place to grab more loot and was caught red handed. Whoops a daisy. <laughs> this led to a speedy trial on charges of theft and violation of the royal privacy. Oh my back in those days basically any offense against a royal meant death steal from them death chat shit about them death bump shoulders with them in the corridor death thankfully though sarah's employer, mrs vernon put in a plea on her behalf and the queen had her sentence reduced to transportation this was a punishment so horrific so severe and so outlandish that it doesn't bear thinking about sarah would be sent to america god forbid I have to say, like, back in the day when you know, Britain would just be like, oh, you've been a naughty boy, off you go to Australia, off you go to America. I'd be like, okay, if my other option was just, like, what, 18th century prison, I'd be like, yeah, no, that, that, that does sound better. I know it's full of disease and criminals, and the journey's probably going to be a nightmare, but I'd rather probably do that. Or maybe I wouldn't. I don't really know much about it. All I know is I, was, I, I, I saw that play, Our Country's Good, about the convicts over in Australia, and they were not having a brilliant time. Exile Yes, penal transportation meant being sent to one of the British colonies for some hard labor, the kind of work that nobody was signing up to do willingly. Sarah was sentenced to this in 1771 when America was just a distant colony of the Crown, one of a number of places that criminals could find themselves riding towards in a prison ship. Sarah arrived via the port of Baltimore, Maryland, and was swiftly led off to be auctioned to the highest bidder. Oh my, they really auctioned the prisoners off. That sounds a lot like something else. Slavery. Yes, these unlucky convicts were to be sold into indentured servitude for the duration of their sentence, meaning anyone with a big enough bag of cash could own them. The man who bought Sarah's contract was one Mr. William Duval, who owned a plantation in Frederick Colony. She was supposed to serve him as a maid for seven years, until her sentence was complete. But our heroine had other ideas. She was able to break out of custody quickly and fled to Virginia. The Con Now on the run from her master, in a strange foreign country, she was faced with the problem of finding some food and a place to sleep. She could hardly be content with some scullery-made gig in a dodgy inn after a time among royalties, so she set her sights on a far more ambitious career path. Sarah already knew what every South English actor in Hollywood would teach most of us centuries later. If you have an English accent in America, you're either a villain or you're an extremely sophisticated charmer. Uh, This is true. You watch movies and it's like, he's British, he's going to be the bad guy. (laughs) she understandably chose the latter role the escaped convict used her inside knowledge of aristocratic life to cast herself as a noblewoman and thereby elicit favors from all kinds of wealthy and powerful people amazingly she still had some of the queen's belongings with her which she used as props in her act wait so they sent her off and they didn't check for all the stuff that she'd stolen <laughs> guys just like that plain old sarah wilson became princess susanna caroline matilda and you know the more middle names you have at least in the uk the, the posher you are uh, sister to queen charlotte herself i told you she was ambitious uh, if you have two surnames in the uk that is like double posh now whenever she rocked up at some rich person's doorstep they weren't being bothered by a beggar they were receiving a bona fide royal visit Princess Susanna was wined and dined by governors and other powerful colonial officials up and down the East Coast. Over candlelit dinners, she told them how she was forced to leave England, following a family scandal when she refused to marry the man that had been chosen for her. Not to worry, though. She would surely soon be able to return to her sister's ride in England, and would certainly be willing to put in a good word for her new friends across the pond, if only they could provide her with some new clothes, a bit of cash, and a couple of bottles of wine for the road. <laughs> she got her priorities right, <laughs> money, clothes, and booze. Her Royal Highness gave the same story to shopkeepers too, and managed to rack up huge amounts of credit through this old-timey identity theft, made all the more impressive since she was stealing an identity which never really existed existed it would only take a superficial knowledge of the british royal family tree to see through the whole thing but it's likely the promise of some cushy government position helped pull the wool over people's eyes by the time the princess made her way to charleston south carolina she had pretty much perfected all aspects of her story the town crier announced the arrival of her serene highness and her calendar quickly filled up with appointments with some of the most powerful people in town i didn't know we called Uh, people her serene highness i always thought it was her royal highness i've met a dude who was his serene highness i met the the crown prince of Liechtenstein, and uh yeah i was i was given a briefing on how to address him (laughs) he was his serene highness it was uh it was fun as an edition of a magazine from the time Rivington's New York Gazette recounted, she made astonishing impressions in many places, affecting the mode of royalty so inimitably that many had the honor to kiss her hand. Yet when I demanded the locals kiss my hand in Boston, all I got was a black eye. How does this work exactly, Callan? You've got to pretend that you're, you're super posh, that you're some sort of royal, although today I... Do people really care? I feel like maybe the Americans even care more about. You hear about, you know, I listened to a podcast and they're talking about like the British royal family. I'm like, oh my god, who cares? Who cares? No one cares. Please stop. Even though Sarah was having better luck than me, her good fortune was soon set to run out. Talk of a royal touring the colonies began to spread like wildfire and eventually reached the ear of Mister Duval. He had been trying without any luck to track down his enslaved convict upon hearing a description of the royal princess in the autumn of 1773 he realized why sarah had managed to hide herself in plain sight while enjoying a life of luxury he decided to take out an ad in the south carolina papers informing the locals of charleston that this princess was in fact nothing but a lowborn maid on the run in the same ad he offered a reward of five pistols really (laughs) i was like is that some sort of currency and then i realized no he's probably just offering some guns Okay. Which I'm pretty sure is still the standard reward for finding a lost cat in Texas. (laughs) Yeah, he is in Texas, right? He also sent one of his employees named Michael Dalton to go to Charleston in person and bring her back. After asking around town, Dalton discovered his target was enjoying the hospitality of a plantation owner at his mansion outside of town. By the time the hunter arrived, she was already gone. His princess was in another castle, another plantation actually, where he was finally able to snare her. Now, this is where the story gets a little bit murky. See, the narrative, which we're currently knee-deep in, has plenty of cinematic appeal. Yeah, I'm like, why is this not a movie? This is very compelling. And as we know, any time a story goes stateside, it's given the Hollywood treatment. Back before sketchy, based-on-a-true-story films were a thing, it was the most popular magazines who played fast and loose with the truth. That's why the most popular narrative around Princess Susanna states that she was, at this point, escorted back to her master's mansion at gunpoint. I, he, he must have had so many guns. <laughs> there she remained for a couple of years until Mr. Duvall decided he had other matters to attend to. That was shooting redcoats with muskets, mostly. This was the start of the American Revolutionary War, as we Brits call it in history class the great bloody fuss of the ungrateful colony. <laughs> Sorry, Americans. <laughs> we don't call it that, but we do make a little bit of fun. The absence of her master and many of his taskmasters meant Sarah was once again able to give them the slip. Some even say that she managed this with the old switcheroo trick when a convict with the exact same name landed in Baltimore. If it sounds like the story is getting a bit ridiculous now, that's because it is. In fact, there's no real record of Sarah Wilson ever being taken back into servitude. After posting the ad and sending his personal manhunter after her, it seems like Mr. Duvall just gave up. Proper historians reckon that it's likely Mr. Dalton did actually catch up with the princess in Georgetown, but by this point she was already so flush with cash that she could pay her purchase price back to her master with a tasty bit of interest on top. This was a common way for indentured servants to cut their miserable contracts off early, provided they could somehow scrape together the cash. Either way, Princess Susanna was now free to continue on her merry way. She continued onwards to fresh pastures in New York, pulling the same old trick with dozens of new chumps on the way. She never actually faced any consequences for her impressive campaign of impersonation, as far as we can tell. As for what did actually happen to her in the end, nobody can quite say for sure. Some magazines wrote that she married a man serving in the light dragoons of the UK military, come to receive a good thrashing from the rebel colonists. After hooking up with a young officer in New York, Princess Susanna decided to settle down with him after the war, starting a business. and found. Family in the Bowery. That ending, however, is most likely a load of nonsense. A more credible version is one backed by an obituary from Berwick, Maine, not sure of the pronunciation there. I mean, not of Maine, I know how to pronounce Maine, but Berwick, Berwick, in the year 1780. Departed this life on Wednesday morning last at the house of Mr. Jordan Cossalo of this town, a strange lady who called herself the Duchess of Cronenberg, but is supposed to be one Sarah Wilson, a convict. The generosity of Mr. Cossolo in taking in this distressed person after she was forsaken by everyone is really worthy of being noticed. In plain English, that basically means Sarah fell upon hard times and was taken in by a kind couple who saw her in her dying days, even calling her by a fake name for the sake of preserving her dignity. A happy ending? I'm not really sure. At any rate, we'll never know how accurate this is. The truth is that the story of Princess Susanna Caroline Matilda mostly just disappears from the history books, leaving room for you to imagine whatever kind of ending you think she deserves this seems like i know she conned a few people of a bit of money but this mostly seems like harmless (laughs) romance versus reality In that regard, the magazines are already well ahead of you. This is a story which journalists have been flexing their creative muscles on for centuries. So there's just one lasting thing to do before we finish up for the day. A much needed bit of myth busting. Yet, one thing I don't really want journalists to do is flex their creative muscles. What I'd like journalists to do is report the truth. But I mean, that is really asking a lot. As it turns out, one of the most fundamental facts in the case is actually a work of fiction. The reason for Sarah's conviction. Rivington's New York Gazette was the publication that popularized the story about her serving in the household of the Queen, but the reality is a tad less less glamorous. Historic documents in the UK actually prove she was just a kitchen servant at the house of a man named George Lewis Scott. She wasn't arrested for robbing the Queen, either. There's no record of any such theft. Really, she was brought to court for doing what she did best, swindling a woman out of a dress. Wow, okay, (laughs) so it was all a lie. An 1867 newspaper from Wiltshire reported that by her mid-teens, she had already got an extensive track record of assuming fake noble titles across England. She'd play the victim and tell her marks that she was cast out by her family for being the sole Protestant among a tribe of Catholics, among other tall tales. As it turns out, the reality is more impressive than the fiction. It's an inspiring story. It is testament to just how far you can go with nothing but a silver tongue and a questionable moral compass. Callum, I don't think we should describe that as inspiring. If you're a person with who completely lacks morals, you could be successful. That is inspiring. I'll work on not having a moral compass. Although I am a little bit torn on the whole impersonating a royal thing, me being a true nobleman and all. I've been keeping it hush-hush, though, because I don't like to brag, but I'm actually the Duke of Canterbury. It's not a big deal. On an unrelated note, if there are any luxury yacht parties happening this weekend, I'm available. Well, Callum, I'll let you know. This has been another episode of The Casual Criminalist, a short one. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did and you're listening, please leave us a review. If you're watching, please hit that thumbs up button and uh, subscribe to this channel. And as always, I'll see you in the next one.